You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary South. We exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission by seeing the lost redeemed, the redeemed matured, and the matured multiplied for the glory of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarysouth.com. So if you want to turn to Psalm 23 with me, we're going to be uh, reading that together here in a moment. The Psalm 23, it's really, I think, the most well-known um, kind of maybe some of the verses of the Bible, even outside of people who aren't Christian, even just the opening verse, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, that people maybe who know nothing about who God is would maybe know the line of the start of Psalm 23. Like, what can you say to introduce this song? James Montgomery Boyce says this, millions of people have memorized this Psalm, even those who have learned few other portions. Ministers have used it to comfort people who are going through severe trials, suffering, illness, or dying. For some, the words of this psalm have been the last they have uttered in life. Friends, in Psalm 23, we have hope for the living and hope for those soon to be dying. It's a word for the youngest among us to the oldest among us. We can take something from Psalm 23. It's a word for those in the hospital, the prison, Wherever we would find us, it's a word of provision, of rest, and also guidance in the trials of life. And I don't know if you're, you're, like, you're familiar with Psalm 23, you know it, but this is the living word of God. And I pray that this morning as we read Psalm 23, as we sit in it, that we actually will find rest in the good shepherd. That whatever, whatever burdens you're carrying in, that you would leave at the foot of the cross, whatever trials you're going through, that you would find that God is with you. And that you would be greatly encouraged by this. So I pray you're ministered to uh, through this word by the Spirit this morning. So in, in our church, I just I get everyone to stand as we read God's word together, kind of out of reverence for God's word. I wonder if just I know I'm visiting. Could you guys stand with me? And we'll read Psalm 23 together. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God bless his word to our souls this morning. You can have a seat. So I've called this this sermon, Rest in the Care of the Shepherd. And not just the title, but I pray that as we're actually going through this word, that you would rest in the care of the shepherd, that you would take this with you in the days, weeks to come. Before going on any further, I would just like again to seek the Lord in prayer, if you want to bow with me. Oh, Holy Father, what a joy it's been already to sing songs to your name, oh God, to give you glory. Uh, It's a joy to be with brothers and sisters in the Lord here in Calgary. And as as we open up your word, as we look at this familiar psalm, I pray by your spirit that it would be the living word piercing our hearts 
grabbing hold of our wayward thoughts. May we see how good you are as a shepherd. May we have a greater picture of who you are, O Lord. And may we be able to rest in you. I pray you would minister to us through your word by your spirit now. I pray you would speak through your servant. That Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up, God. That you would do your work in each one of us. You would speak specifically whatever situation you're going to by your word. Your spirit. Lord, I bring nothing. You have everything. So as we proclaim your word, may you do your work among us for your glory and your honor. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So looking at verses 1 to 4, I just want to ask that question, is God your shepherd? Is God your shepherd? We're going to be looking at, well, who is that shepherd? If you look at verse 1 with me, Again, this well-known passage, the Lord is my shepherd. So just thinking first, like, who is the shepherd? Who is the shepherd? And of course, if you just read that, if you saw it, it's the Lord. The Lord is the shepherd. And the Lord, that, that word for God right there, we, we find that first use where? In Exodus chapter 3, when Moses is called to go to Egypt, and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And, and God says, or Moses says to God, hey, who should I say is sending me? The Lord. I am who I am. The self-existent one. That's who the shepherd is. It is God. God Almighty. I also want to point this out to you. This Psalm 23, it begins with the Lord is my shepherd. It ends with, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This psalm is, is as much about who God is. It's God in every verse and our relationship with him. It is an amazing thing. And as we think just about the Lord is my shepherd, the, the term shepherd or that role is actually a major theme throughout scripture. If we just think about it in our day and age, Maybe we don't think about shepherds too much. Maybe we eat lamb or something from time to time. But think about shepherds throughout, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They cared after sheep. That was their role. Of course, we know the famous shepherd of the Old Testament, David. Just want to read a little bit from uh, 1 Samuel, chapter 17, 34 to 35. This is when David is hearing that big giant Goliath calling out the people of God and mocking them. And then David says to Saul, like, I can take him. And why? In 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 35, this is written, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. He's a shepherd. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. David, talking about being a shepherd, talking about the responsibility of keeping after the sheep. Do you think about what does a shepherd do? Steve Lawson writes this. A, a shepherd would actually live with his sheep 24 hours a day with an unwavering devotion day and night, both in fair weather and bad, to nurture God and protect his sheep. The shepherd would assume full responsibility for the needs and safety of his flock, even risking his own life for their protection. You think about what's being told us. The Lord is our shepherd in the Psalms. You have, you know, 
God is king. God is protector. God is the rock. God is our refuge. But God as the shepherd, what an intimate thing is being told us. And again, so we have this theme of shepherd and people, David being one of them, but then we also have God as shepherd being told us in the Old Testament. I just want to bring you to Ezekiel 34. Looking at a few verses there, Ezekiel 34. Verses 15 to 16. Thinking of God as shepherd. It says this, I myself will be their shepherd. I, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and strong, I will, I will feed them in justice. That's talking about the leaders of Israel who are supposed to be the shepherds. They weren't doing it. God's like, I'm going to do it. And this is what it's going to look like. God as shepherd. It also says this in verse 23 and 24 of Ezekiel 34. Note this. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, I have spoken. Right, Speaking of one to come from a descendant of David who would be the shepherd. I just want to trace this theme out. I just want to pull this out as we think about who is the good shepherd. Take you to a passage that we already have read here this morning. I just want to read a little bit more. John chapter 10. So we see in the Old Testament this theme of shepherd, looking at God of shepherd. And then this talk of one coming from David who will be the one shepherd. So John chapter 10 so looking at verses 11 to 15, this confession of Jesus, where he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. What does Jesus say as he proclaims, I am the good shepherd? He says it twice there. I lay down my life for the sheep. That's what we have this picture of the good shepherd, Jesus. And think about this, as Jesus being the good shepherd, laying down his life for the sheep. Tracing that same theme, Isaiah 53 verse 6 says this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Think about the good shepherd. As the sheep are going astray and running, and we're, we're going after our own things, our own sin, our own desires, but the good shepherd who loves us laid down his life, died on the cross, took our sin, took our shame, took the punishment that we deserved. That's the amazing thing. We all like sheep have gone astray, but the good shepherd died for us to bring us back to a right relationship with the Father. I, I pray if anyone here today who doesn't know God as their shepherd, that they would hear this. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Anyone who would believe in Jesus Christ, confess him as Lord. 
Surrender to him. You, you would have God as your shepherd, God watching over and caring for you. You'd be made right with God through Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. And for all who have believed, Peter writes, 1 Peter 2, 25, this is all of our story. Everyone who is a Christian, for you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of your soul. Jesus Christ. So I just want to ask that question, nailing down, speaking of the Lord is my shepherd. Can you confess that first line? The Lord is my shepherd. And if you can, look at, look at the blessings that are followed in this psalm, that they be true of you. You're saying, yes, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, that's my shepherd. What does it say? If the Lord is your shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Other translations, I lack nothing. I have what I need. I don't know about you, though. As I read this, if I'm honest, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm like, but I do. <laughs> right? But, but I do want. I do desire. We want to always bring honesty to Scripture. Honesty is the Spirit's like searching our hearts, not just like, oh yeah, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want to carry on. I come there, and I, and I think this is something of being in North America, we're like, if I can just get, fill in the blank, then I'll be happy. If I can just get that new car, that new promotion, that relationship, that raise, whatever it is. But it says here, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want. The same verb is used in Nehemiah 9.21. As they're remembering what God did for the Israelites in the desert. Nehemiah 9.21 says this, 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. It's the same verb. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Friends, just remember this. If God is our shepherd, we, we shall not want. Why? Because look how he looks after the birds of the air. Like they don't store or work or store their food in barns. Are you not much more valuable than the birds? And we are. And so he provides everything that we need. And this, at the start of this psalm, there's a call to be content in God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And if we're like, yes, I'm, I'm believing that, I'm trusting, it should be like a, ah. I don't know, you sit down in your favorite chair, whatever that is, after a long day's work, wherever that spot is, and you just kind of sink in, you're like, ah. I don't know if you make that sound. <laughs> but there's a contentness, contentedness that's being called, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If we, can, if we understand who he is as shepherd, then we understand, man, we have everything we need in him. And we can be content. Because Christ is our shepherd, we have what we need. And now thinking, looking through this psalm, how does he provide as a sheep is provided for? Looking at verses 2 to 4. In verses 2 to 3, I want you to see the care of the shepherd. I want you to see the care of the shepherd. Verse 2, it says of the shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And sheep need to be led to these places. They need peace. They need to be free from enemies and threats in order to lie down and rest. 
They need to go by still waters because if it was a fast-moving water, the sheep could like fall into it (laughs) and just get carried away. I want you to see here, even in in verse 2, I want you to see this truth in this psalm. God knows what is best for us and does what is best for us. Do, do, like, do we believe that? That God knows what is best for us and does what is best for us. The question is, do we trust God's will in our life? Think about this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. How God cares for each one of us physically. How he gives us rest. With God as a shepherd, he makes us lie down and rest. One, I think that God is merciful that he provides rest for us. So daily, as we go to sleep, sleep is such a gift. I don't know how much you sleep. If, it's a, if you get eight hours, like that's amazing. Seven hours, six hours. That's a quarter of every day that we rest. And that rest is from the Lord. It's a gift of the Lord that we would rest in him. And then if you think if we're following God's good commands in scripture, what you Work six days, rest on the seventh. We're not legalistic, legalistic about that, but God calls us even in a week to take a day and to rest. Be refreshed. In God's kindness, each day we're given rest physically. Each week we're called to rest physically. And the thing is, in God's kindness, if we do not take those times, he'll make sure we rest. He'll put us on our back. Right? If we keep running, if we don't take that rest, eventually we get sick, we get worn down, and we will, he will make us lie down. (laughs) He will make us rest. But we would be wise to take in that physical rest that he gives us daily, that he calls to us weekly. If you think spiritually, how does he make us lie down in green pastures? How does he lead us beside still waters? Going back there to John, reading a few of his statements. John 6, 35, Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 7, 37 and 38, Jesus says this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. There's a spiritual satisfaction in Jesus Christ. As we come to him and he causes us to rest. No more searching. We found everything we need in him. No more hunger. We are filled in him. No more striving. We rest in him. And if you think about this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I don't know about you, but I think morning by morning, I find that as I seek the Lord, as the sun comes up. I don't know when you, what, what, how you begin your day, maybe you end your day that way, but the place that you seek the Lord, when you open up the scriptures, every time you open up the scriptures, the living word of God, that is green grass, if you will, for our soul. That's a place of still, quiet waters, a place of refreshing. Where is that place for you? Do do you have a place that daily you're like, man, I'm going to begin my day resting in the Lord, seeking the good shepherd, being fed on his word, That is a gift he gives to us. 
And if, if you just think, I don't think anyone in their Christian walk who actually, like, I'm going to run after God, I'm going to open up his living word, I'm going to meet him in prayer daily in the morning is not blessed. I've never met anyone who said, yeah, I did it for a few years and it, it was useless. No, no one's ever said that who's actually sought the Lord, actually read the scripture. It is a place of green grass, a place of, of, of rest and refreshment. So just the question, where is that green pasture for you? Where's that place? Is there a certain place you go to in the morning? For me, it's, it's in my office at home with coffee. I think God has sanctified coffee. <laughs> coffee and the word. Maybe, maybe not for all. But is, it, is there a place that you would go to? I think it's good to have a consistent place, if you can, where you, you meet the Lord. That's a, a place of, of rest and renewal. Continuing on there in, in Psalm 23, look at verse 3. It says this, he restores my soul. This place of rest is a place of restoration. Other translations, he refreshes, he renews my soul. Friends, we have souls and we have souls that need restoring. Why do they need restoring? Well, because of this broken world we live in. Because of sin. Because of the brokenness in our own lives. That we are all dealing with. And, and so that's the thing. We continue to return to the good shepherd, to places of rest, because our souls need restoring. Just to remind you of a promise you know so well, out of Matthew eleven, twenty-eight to 30. And I think this is to call people to Christ for the first time. This is for believers. Hear it again this morning. I don't know what you've been dealing with in this past week, but Jesus always has this call to us. Come to me, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What a beautiful promise there, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As we go to the good shepherd, as we rest in him, our souls are restored. We find rest. Whatever burdens we're carrying, we don't have to carry anymore. We lay down at his feet and we are refreshed in him, renewed in him. And of course, as I mentioned there, we're renewed by God's word. Psalm 19.7, it says this. The fear, or Psalm 19.7 says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Our souls need to be restored. We're restored by Jesus Christ. He restores my soul. Verse, in the second part of Psalm 23, verse 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So the good shepherd, he leads us, each one of us, will we follow? David cries out in prayer in Psalm 5, verse 8. I think this is a good prayer that we can cry out to, to the Lord. David says, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Do you think God wants to lead us if we're, if we're crying out for that? Lord, lead me in your righteousness. Make your way straight. Guide me. I believe God makes that clear. If we're, if we're crying out, Lord, lead us. You see in Psalm 23, this promise, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I believe, again, his word 
gives light to our path. Psalm 119, verse 10, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. As we're reading scripture, as we're praying, as we're like, Lord, lead me on a way that's pleasing to you. God does through his word, by his spirit. I believe in the context of a local church, we can start to learn, discern what's God's will in your life. God's not ever like holding it back. We're like, God, I want to follow you. I want to be pleasing to you. I want to walk in ways that are pleasing to you. And we're praying. God's like, oh, I'm not going to tell you. No, not at all. That is not our God. That's not what we hear of the good shepherd. That's not what we read in scripture. God reveals his will to us. Of course, not fully. We don't know every little detail, but the good shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness. Paths of righteousness. And I love this. Why? It's for his name's sake that he leads us. It's for his honor. It's for his praise. God reveals his will to us. He doesn't hide it. For sure, we don't see it in its fullness, but it's enough that we can walk in the ways that he leads us. Do you, do you see the care of the shepherd? Are you experiencing it? Are you walking in the care of the good shepherd? I want us to see in verse 4, the guarding and guiding of the shepherd. In verse 4, again, all these passages so well known. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's this picture referring to the fact that the shepherd would have to move the sheep from place to place, from one grazing place to another, often going down into valleys, often going down to places where there's different predators, wolves or bears could be hiding, or lions and tigers and bears. Oh my I don't know why. I read that and it just comes to mind. I have young kids at home. <laughs> so this, but the shepherd is leading these sheep through these dangerous places. We know this verse, verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. For sure, talking about death. But if you, I don't know if you have a footnote there. Mine speaks of the valley of deep, deep darkness. It's actually broader than death, like the dark places, the trials that God leads us through. However, though, death is included in this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as Christians, shouldn't we be ones that die well? I think about this for a second with me. Like, if you know where you're going, I, I, I believe in Jesus Christ, I have eternal life, we're just here presently. When we die, we're going to be with him. There should, there should be a peace that should come over us. Not that we run towards death, but we don't fear it. As God, as our shepherd, God as our shepherd will lead us through, right? It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't stay in the valley. We walk through the valley. We don't stop there, but walk through with Christ as our shepherd. Again, another I am passage, John eleven twenty five to 26. Jesus said, I am the resurrection in life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Everyone who believes in me shall never die. You think in Christ dying well is a great witness. The Lord is our shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. 
Think about God's presence being with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. David expands on this thought in Psalm 139, verses 5 to 10. David writes this, You hem me in, speaking of the Lord, behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. Just think about this, that we don't have to fear in the darkest moments of our life. Why? Because God is with us. And I don't know what you're going through. For sure there's some here who are hearing this word this morning who are in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a dark valley. And hear this word this morning from Psalm 23. I will fear no evil for you are with me. That God is with you. He's walking with you through the trial. He will not leave you or forsake you. He will walk you through and then Continuing on, it says, but for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherd had these two tools in his hands, the rod, which was like a big thick rod used to kind of keep wild animals away. So for protection, guarding, if you will. And then there's the crook. We all know the kind of the shepherd's crook used to guide the sheep in the right direction, used to pull them from perilous situations, lead them away from danger. But as I was preparing this, I remembered this video I saw once of a sheep. I don't know if anyone's seen it on YouTube. And there's this sheep that's stuck in this crack. And its leg is stuck. And it's kind of squirming. And the shepherd, you assume, goes and kind of pulls its leg out. And the sheep is like joyful, hopping away. And lands in a bigger crack. Immediately. What do you th- and then that's kind of how the video ends. What do you think happens after? The shepherd goes... It helps the sheep back again. That's God's goodness and kindness to us, that he not only guards us, but he also guides us. Right? You think about this, that God guards us at times from the wrong people, the wrong paths, the wrong decisions at times. And he, he guides us even dark times in his will. Maybe if you're struggling with a, with a spouse, maybe a child that's going astray, maybe there's a, a sickness that you have or someone close to you have, unknown future, whatever the worries and anxieties that we're facing, it says this, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And notice this, this comfort doesn't come of us being taken out of the darkest valley, but that God as the good shepherd walks with us through it. Right? There's a promise that you will go through dark valleys. There's a promise for all of us that we will go through the dark valley of death. We don't have to fear it. We can be comforted because God as a good shepherd is with us. That's an amazing thing. I I want you to hear this truth again. God knows what is best for us and does what is best for us and add to it and is always with us. Tomorrow morning, whatever you find yourself doing, Tuesday evening, Wednesday at lunch, can we remember, like, God is with us always. And that is a a blessing. The Lord is our shepherd. He cares. He guards. He guides through smooth seasons and trials. 
Well, God is so truly good to us. Looking at verses five to six, there's actually a change of analogies in this psalm. Now, now David looks at God as host. But of course, we know Psalm 23, the Lord is, is my shepherd. But I want you to see, actually, it looks at now God as host. And as we're going through, again, ask yourself, is God my host? In verse 5, I want you to see God's provision. Where it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This idea, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Of just a few examples from the Old Testament. Think of, of Moses and the Hebrews as they, as they left Egypt. Right? Egypt's just been decimated by the ten plagues. And what they were to do, they were to ask their Egyptian neighbors for silver, for gold, for clothing. And as, as Egypt's just in ashes, the Hebrews are leaving with freedom, with silver, gold, and clothes. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Another example of this is in Ezra chapter 6, 7 to 11. If you know anything about the book of Ezra, so Ezra, there's the, the people that had been exiled, the Israelites, because of sin, and they were in Babylon. And then King Cyrus of the Medes and Persians came in and he allowed some Jews to return to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. As they were rebuilding the temple, the people that were there hated it. And they're like, we want you to stop. And they took things into their own, own hands and wrote a mean letter <laughs> to the king of the Medes and Persians. They're like, do you know what's happening in Jerusalem? Do you see what's happening? You need to stop them. I just want you to see re the response. This is God preparing a table for them in the presence of their enemies. King Darius's response to this mean letter telling the Jews to stop building. As he looks, he discovers actually King Cyrus wrote a letter and gave them a decree. You can't change it. You need to supply their every need. So he says this. Verse 7, Ezra chapter 6. Let the work of this house let the work on this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews rebuild this house of God on its site. Moreover, I make a decree regarding that you shall do for these elders of the Jews for the rebuilding of this house of God. The cost is to be paid to these men in full and without delay from the royal revenue, the tribute of the province beyond the river. Like we're to foot the bill for this. Whatever is needed, bulls, rams, or sheep for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, or oil, as the priests at Jerusalem require, let that be given to them day by day without fail, that they may offer pleasing sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Look at this in verse 11. And also I make a decree that if anyone alters this edict, a beam shall be pulled out of his house and he shall be impaled on it. And his house shall be made a dunghill. They wrote this angry letter, get them to stop, stop building. God prepares the table before them in the presence of his enemies. Instead, they're like, no, actually, you're going to pay for them to do it. And if anyone gets in their way, they're going to they're gonna die. <laughs> this is what God does, how he provides for us. Think about how does that happen for us, how God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. I think as God accomplishes things in this world, that the devil does not want to happen. Anytime someone turns to Christ and believes in him and trusts in him, 
God's preparing a table for that person in the presence of his enemies. Anytime the church gathers, as we sing songs to the Lord, there's so much bad news, so many things that could happen that's negative. But no, we're gathered on a Sunday morning praising the living God. We're going to be taking communion, remembering that Jesus did, how he paid for it all. God prepares a table before us in the presence of his enemies. As churches are planted, as God continues to build more witnesses for himself, proclaiming the word of God, God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Continuing on, God of his hosts, you anoint my head with oil. Steve Lawson says this, it was the custom of a loving host to provide for provide oil for the head of his honored guest to refresh him after his travels. So it was meant to be a blessing, to being cared for, having some oil poured on your head. I don't know if we should bring this back into our hospitality. <laughs> you have someone over for lunch, you're like, I don't know, I got canola oil, but... <laughs> But this is meant to be a blessing. And what does the next line say? So well known, my cup overflows. God is our host. Our cup overflows. Anyone kind of from me from Eastern culture would understand that more than Western culture. This idea of like continually filled, like it's never going to be empty. That's a God's provision for us. I experienced this. My wife and I, when we first got married, we went to South Korea uh, to teach English for a year. And the first day we got there, we were so jet-lagged, but the, the kind of company we worked for, we met the boss, and he took us out for a meal. And, of course, we had to sit on the ground, which I, I couldn't figure that out, chopsticks. I, I could barely eat the food. But the food, it was so good. And I kept, I kept eating it, and I ate till I was stuffed. You know, because as Canadians, we're like, man, you finish your plate. <laughs> But no, the cup overflowed. Then there's like a new platter of meat. And I'm like, oh, no. So I'm working my best. What I think is I'm like, I'm, gonna, I'm not even hungry. I'm going to keep eating. I barely got that in. But no, there's more food. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I, I had to give up. But you learn in, in Eastern culture, right, the cup overflows, the provision. Like you're not going to be able to finish it all. But it's there. It's the blessing. And just think in our own lives, this, does your cup overflow because God is your shepherd? Can you say that my cup overflows? And if you can, I would just encourage this. This is a good practice. Count your blessings. You know, on Thanksgiving, we go around the table. Hey, what are you thankful for? Just do that today at lunch. See, name five things. What are you thankful for? How is your cup overflowing? Give thanks to the Lord. And, and just think about this, friends. When your cup overflows, pour into others. When your cup overflows, pour into others. I think as our cup overflows, because God's provision, it's almost like getting fresh fruit. There's a time to it. You have to use it. My, uh, my parents-in-law, they're in lower mainland BC, and they have some, some grapes they grow grapes. And so this September, they came and visited us in this like huge box full of like delicious grapes. But way too much to eat before it goes bad. And I, I was eating as many as I could, but I'm like, man, there's so many. So what do you got to do? Your cup overflows. Like we had to give grapes to people. We had to bless other people with grapes. Or these grapes are going to go bad. I think that's it. As our cup overflows, pour into others. If God gives you joy in your heart, man, pour that joy into other people. If God gives you like a, some financial gift, however that works, like can you be generous? 
to the church, to other people, people in need that you see. Think about who, who made it to the conference this past week. Is there, there's a number of us. All of us, our cup overflowed. Talking about the supremacy of Christ. It's like after the first session, it's spilling all over the place. Like you're so blessed. And then there's another session and more worship. And so all of us have this, this, this burden now. We need to pour that into other people. As our cup overflows and as we follow God, God of hosts, his provision, that is what happens. Our cup continues overflows. And looking at the end of Psalm 23 and verse 6, I want you to see God's pursuit. God's pursuit. This is written, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness, God's goodness and mercy. The, the word mercy is translated a number of different ways. Love, loving kindness, faithful love, because it's the Hebrew word said which is a love or affection that is steadfast based on a prior relationship used in the Old Testament to refer to God's covenantal love. Think about this. Surely goodness and God's mercy, God's love, God's steadfast love follows us all the days of our life. One commentator, Derek Kinder, says this, to follow does not mean to bring up the rear, but to pursue God is our host. We're being pursued by goodness and mercy. By God's goodness and mercy. Think about this with me. Goodness and mercy follow us, pursue us. I don't know if you ever heard people talking about family curses passed on through generations. That's garbage. No, goodness and mercy follow us. I know some of you, like whatever things we've had in the past recently or maybe further in the past, and sometimes we're always looking back. We're always carrying that with us. These pains of the past following us, forget that. Leave it at the cross. Let goodness and mercy follow you. I love that. Like pursuing us. Like you, you try to run fast, go around the corner, you can't shake it. <laughs> God's goodness and mercy, if you are his, they will be following you. What a blessing that is. And then it says in closing, David says, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As in he's continually returning to the house of the Lord, a fulfillment, if you will, of God's goodness and mercy, pursuing him. Just, just think about this, friends. In Christ, we will dwell with God forever. We don't have a temple, but we do have God's spirit with us. We, do, we gather as God's people and one day, for all of eternity, we'll be gathered together with all of God's people, with God forever, through Christ. That is a promise for us. What an amazing thing. Can you say, God is my host? Then, yes, goodness and mercy are pursuing you. Can you say, Christ is my shepherd? Friends, then rest in him. Trust him. Walk with him. And know that one day we will be with him forever. And just in closing, like, so what? What are we to take away from this beautiful psalm? One, I, I would just put this out to you. Memorize this psalm. You probably already do have most of it memorized. And if you have young kids who are able to memorize it with your children, like, because this word is something we can take with us, it's an ever-present reminder to trust in God, friends, to, to trust that God has you today, 
and has your tomorrows. That life, and sometimes there's, there's green pastures. And sometimes there's very dark valleys, but God is with us. And so have this psalm in your heart, in your mind. Continue to take that with us. It's an encouragement that God is actively guiding us by his word through his spirit. And again, it's a word for us. Whatever trials come our way in the future, in life, in all the ways, until he takes us home through death, God will be with us. If you want to bow with me as I close this word in prayer. Oh God, I, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, Lord, as we've reflected on uh, you being the good shepherd. I just pray you'd seal this word in our hearts. Lord, each person, whatever we need to hear, whatever we need to take with us, Lord, may you bring to memory. Oh Lord, I praise you that you are the good shepherd, that you lead us, you guide us. You're so kind to us. Oh, Lord, continue to lead on and we will follow. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.